0: Hey, this is justice and welcome to this very very short episode of stuck not broken this is a segment that i got from one of my polyvagal 101 webinars uh, by the way if you are interested in being a part of one of my polyvagal 101 webinars i have one coming up september 17th It's from 9 a.m to 12 p.m pacific time i'm gonna offer these hopefully more regularly i have one coming up so it's a chance for you to get three hours of polyvagal information, uh, the essentials. And make, I make it easy to understand, there's mixed media. It's more of a, I try to make it more of an experience rather than just like a lecture. So it's all the polyvagal information, it's more interactive, there's live polling, there's some videos to discuss. Um, it's a really fun experience. I, I truly have a, a really good time doing this. Three hours, go to justinlmft.com if you are interested in attending that. Uh, tickets are on sale now, I have general mission and VIP head on over to justinlmft.com. So this is a segment from one of my Polyvagal 101 webinars. It's a from the Q&A, which I, I try to leave some time at the end for Q&A. The first question that I'm going to go into from the Q&A is around fawning and how does this have to do with the polyvagal theory? It's a great question, and it seems like something that people struggle with a lot. My concern around us polyvagal teachers is that we take the information and then we kind of try and put our own spin on it, or we try to bring in other... Pieces of the trauma informed realm and just throw them all together in this like mashup of tra- trauma informed or quasi trauma informed information. And I think Fawn is one of those things people really try to make it fit into the polyvagal states, but I don't think it works quite that way. So here's my explanation of that.
1: So I want, let's bring it back to where we started. Polyvagal theory is about biology, it is primarily these biological states which then have uh, behaviors and thoughts and feelings and sensations. But the biological autonomic state is the focus. Fawning does not have that. Fawning is not a biological state. Fawning, I would say, is a behavior. I would call it a behavioral adaptation to a biological state. It may be a behavioral adaptation in order to get needs met uh, That come from a defensive state. So I, I would say that person is probably more of a flight, fight, shutdown, or freeze. I would argue that shutdown probably has a lot to do with it. A disconnection from the self, a disconnection from one's uh, sense of self or identity or needs, and then sacrificing that, so disconnected from that in order to appease someone else in order to get then get maybe basic needs met. I, I, I would argue cool. that shutdown is in there, but I think it could come from any of the defensive states. So I would say fawning is not a state. It's a behavior or a set of behaviors that could come from different states. That's, that's how I view that. There is no fawn biology. So we have to, I want to like reground everybody that with polyvagal theory, we're talking about biology. And so people in the trauma realm will talk about flight, fight, fawn, all kinds of words, freeze, friendship, other words that start with f that i'm not going to say right here i have four letters okay what was that flop flop Flop. there yeah flop fawn another another one i'm not going to say to keep it pg there's all these f words that people come up with that describe behaviors which is useful but that's not necessarily directly connected to a biological state with political theory that's what we're talking about so as you go out into the internet wilds and hear about trauma stuff. Keep that in mind. Is this a behavior or are they talking about biology primarily?
0: And the second question here comes after I show a video around uh, shutdown, which has an example of a guy and his daughter and the guy in the video, they're on a roller coaster. He passes out. The little girl is totally fine. She like smiles the whole time and she has empathy. Uh, So someone asked uh, after that, they asked about exposure and distress tolerance. And basically, can somebody gain distress tolerance through repeated voluntary exposure? And here are my thoughts on that. That's
1: a really good question. Uh, I would say it obviously depends on the person, life circumstances, all that stuff. So what it would look like is, let's say they do the, they do the ride, pass out, come back, although everything we just saw, right? They get off the ride, now they're in literal safety, they're, their feet are on the ground, they can look at people, make eye contact, smile, laugh it off maybe, And then maybe eventually say, okay, let's try it again. They go back and the same thing may happen, but maybe it's not as intense. So that's, it's called um, a neural exercise. We're we're exercising. We're working out these pathways, just like you would work out um, muscles. If you want to go lift heavier things, you got to start off by lifting kind of heavy things, right? You can't lift hundred pounds unless you lift 50 and you can't lift 50 unless you lift 25. So you can, build a, uh, you can build these pathways, specifically the safe and social state. You can build the strength of that to be able to tolerate it, to gain distress tolerance. But you have to be able to balance it out. So you have to be able to go from flight, fight, let's say, to safety and then back and then forth. And that's why play is so unbelievably important, especially in childhood, as these are developing. Experience, mindfully, these states and to build the strength of these pathways. Yeah. So therapeutically, it would be like exposure, let's say exposure therapy, or even, even just talking about the thing that you went through that, that is, that's considered exposure because you're feeling it again. You're thinking about it, all that stuff comes up. And so if you're voluntarily saying, okay, I want to try this out and see how it goes and then processing it, noticing it, if it becomes too difficult, let's stop here. Let's balance it out with my safety state and then come back to it. That's ideally how we want to do exposure kind of stuff. We want to do a little bit, a little bit at a time and build the tolerance so that the next week you come in for therapy, you're actually way more able to tolerate that same thing. But now we can go maybe a bit deeper, a deep, a bit deeper into it. So that's how we, we want to we build the strength of your safety state to be able to handle the distress of, you know, whatever it is. That's a heck of a lot different than coming into therapy and the therapist kicks back and says, okay, tell me about your childhood and tell me more and tell me more. And they push and push and push. And that's just going to result in dysregulation. And that doesn't really help. It actually may be re-traumatizing and reinforcing and maybe scare that person off from going to therapy altogether.
0: I hope that was helpful for you. Again, if you want to be a part of the next Polyvagal 101 live webinar experience, go to justinlmft.com and you can be a part of it. They're really fun. I would love to see you there. If not, you just want the Polyvagal 101 information. You can buy the course by itself. Again, same website, justinlmft.com. You can buy it just as is or... And or you can come to the the live experience as well. Bye.